0: Hey everybody, it's the Badger and you are on our Digital Blockchain and Cryptocurrency animated podcast with me is mr james tiley and mr johnny fry hi guys
1: good morning good morning i'm awake i'm awake
0: i'm kinda see it's it's you guys have already got some time to process your day the badge you guys poked the stick in the badger burrow at 5 a.m <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know who invented this time zone thing, but it's really
2: kind of stupid. Yeah, you should all be on London time, really, James.
1: I mean, listen, you make a joke, but why not a universe? You know, UTC,
2: we could at least use that. Yeah, much easier. Mind you, it's a beautiful sunny day here in London. It's very cold, about minus five. Um, Oh, wow. Celsius. Yeah, whatever that means. Centigrade, whatever. (laughs) But Badger, you're you're on the east coast, and um, my my colleague James, you're on the you're on the west coast. No, no, the other way around.
1: No,
0: strike that, reverse it, flip it up, smack <laughs> it up, rub is it down. On the east coast. James is apparently one freeway exit away from Florida.
1: Like I couldn't quite make it. Yep, one
0: freeway exit away from Florida, whereas. I, for people who don't know Washington, I live in a suburb of the state of Washington called Puyallup. And that is roughly, uh, depending on what time of day it is, an hour away from the metro of Seattle.
1: You guys have an interstate, you do have an interstate, right? Is it? You have US yes, 101. I-5. <laughs> but I'm saying, do you have an interstate that goes from like pretty much Mexico to Canada or no? Yeah, we have the Coast
0: Highway. We took the Coast Highway all the way down to California. That well, that's
2: the real, world, isn't it? That's, is not that a real the, highway? PCH 101, isn't it? And then you got 101. the 101, it goes down the middle.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like we have I 95. I 95 is four lanes, 75 miles an hour, forever. But the Pacific Coast Highway is not like that, right?
2: It's a beautiful road. No. You,
0: know, PC, right you We go through, I think here it turns into 26 and then it goes 26. But you can take it. The Pacific Coast, the Coast Highway, you can take all the way from basically Linden, which is the top of Washington by Canada, all the way down. We went all the way, we did Coast Highway all the way down to California. Yeah, I mean, I so guess beautiful. So. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, guys.
1: They'll probably um, charge you Bitcoin for uh, a toll anyway.
0: Uh, California. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let's get started. We have a listener question. Yay! And this comes from a gentleman that I met this weekend at our BTS Best is Yet to Come theater event. And he watches our digital podcasts and he loves them He thinks they're great. And he thinks you two are just hilarious. And he wants to know, he's getting ready to start university spring quarter. He wants to know what classes he should be looking at taking in order to put himself on the road to a career in blockchain technology or digital currency who's gonna uh, james you're the technical and johnny you're the financial who wants to go
2: first go on, james. tell James Tom had it technically you're good at that you'll yeah just be
1: because it it precedes a question as to whether or not he wants to pursue that career financially, right? Typically when 99% of the time we talk about blockchain, it's always, there's a dollar value assigned to it somehow, right? So we're not necessarily talking about TPX, where you're fractionalizing a part of your house or things like that. So to learn blockchain technology and how it functions, I'm going to say, so I'm certified over at the C4 Consortium in Colorado. I'm certified in uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I did not go, I did not get the auditing certification because that's, that's the PhD. <laughs> uh, I haven't gotten that far yet, and I, I didn't feel like I needed to. But that was after, obviously, I'm, I'm old now and I went to college. There was no, there was no blockchain when I was in college. Shy of what we think the New York Times invented back in 91, 92, which could probably lead to another story. But technically, blockchain, in my experience, in the chains that I use, which are the mainstream, I feel like I want to say Ethereum, right, and Polygon, Phantom, Tron, all of these EVM-based 0x Addresses that you see. 99% of that is in a programming language called solidity. Which you also want to learn JavaScript and if you can learn JavaScript. Not JavaScript, I'm sorry, but Java. Um, solidity is. Almost the same thing like Chevy to GMC. So it's ex- it's exactly the same minus a few characters. So, you want to get involved in that programming language and that coding. And then also, you're going to have to understand a little bit of networking, right? You would think computer networking, generic computer networking. You have to understand APIs. Um, React, as far, instead of HTML, HTML is going away in the future. Believe it or not. When we talk about Web3, when you hear everybody saying Web3, no more HTML. It's gonna be all. It's something called React, and it is for someone my age. I ain't learning it anytime soon. I've tried. So you got, so you got React, you got Java, you got Solidity, which is the actual programming language for Ethereum and its its counterparts. And then the other aspect of what makes everything so secure. Actually, an easy answer is, most universities offer cryptography. As as a focus, I don't know if it's a minor or a major, but cryptography with math and uh, hashing, and I mean from there you should be good to go. You you know that and and so many online, what do you got? Coursera, you've got, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to even. I, that's a political. Is that is that a thing? Are we allowed to say that? You know, you, the the four year degree is not what it used to be. You could literally, Absolutely. Use, you could use Coursera and, all the, well, you know, Amazon Web Services has their own Ethereum certification with, you know, with well, their classes.
0: Also doing like a coding dojo. Like, I mean, if it's coding and, you know, the, a lot of places uh, offer coding classes for free.
1: So and that's a good example code- to, to, to summarize my side of it. Before I got into financial technology, I was uh, a tech who didn't necessarily know anything about finance, right? My story is that I was first taught by the one guy that should not be teaching it, and then the next guy fixed me all up to properly teach me. I was a tech. I didn't know anything about finance. I didn't care what a VWAP was in a stock trade. Nonetheless sweeping dark market orders you know with an iceberg strategy all of this sounds greek but to me it's a normal conversation now i learned none of that in college
0: that's why we do this because for a lot of people it is brand new verbiage and technology and same thing for me i've learned so much from you guys by doing these podcasts johnny why don't you tell us what uh he could be taking, do you prepare himself for the financial side of it?
2: Sure, sure. Well, first of all, I have to confess, um, my, my dear buddy James has totally confused me talking about Pythons and solidities and HTML and all that bamboozling gobbledygook. Um, I reckon you won't need to worry about that. You'll just get hold of chat GPT or Google is... Meant to have an even better one. I artificial intelligence, and there's a pretty good chance that artificial intelligence is going to start doing all the programming that you need. And just bear in mind one thing: what is blockchain? All blockchain is is an Excel spreadsheet on steroids. It's just a a database of information which is held really secure. But you know, I'm assuming that uh, Johnny is in your neck of the woods in in Seattle. So um, I've posted in our chat here, Badger. And I'm sure you can get, um, you know, this to, to Johnny. Um, just it, it, this is the blockchain Web3 um, in Bellevue um, in the Seattle area. And in my experience, the best way to get involved with blockchain um, is a bit like, what's the best way to have a baby? You've got to get pregnant. You've got to jump in feet first. And you've got to ask all the stupid questions. And you just got to soak up the knowledge. And, OK, James and I have been involved in this space since... Well, I've been involved since two thousand and sixteen, so that makes it coming up for seven years and i'm I'm learning stuff every day, and it's just constantly changing. So I'm not convinced that a course, um, a book, um, a one place is is gonna equip you with the level of information and knowledge you need. But from a financial point of view, um, you need to really do a bit of reading and l- just understand you know things. You know, very basic things like the power of dollar cost averaging. I putting a bit of money away every month into something which is hugely volatile, like um, cryptocurrencies. Um, You know, diversifying investments. So you make sure you have some real estate, make sure you have some bonds, make sure you have some equities. And a lot of this is very basic stuff. But when it comes to digital assets, it's no different. Because what we're seeing is, over time, you're going to see. Every asset that you can think of, whether it's real estate, commodities, derivatives, um, you know, stocks, bonds, but even data. And you look at the companies that have made the most amount of money over the last say 10, 15 years, and that's the Fangs, um, which are the Facebook, um, Apple, Netflix, Google, Amazon. These companies have made money not necessarily by what they're selling but they made money out of your data because they understand what you're doing and where you are and what your habits are. Then they sell um, advertising space or particular products then to you based off what you're doing. And that data, I think over the next five, 10 years, you, the consumer, is going to be in control of that data. And that's really, really important. Now, that's nothing to do with blockchain, but what you'll be able to do is create digital assets out of people's data. And that could prove to be really, really important. And just to finish off on that, Look at one of the biggest sectors in the, in the world, and that's healthcare. The US spends 20% of its GDP, gross domestic product, i all of the all the economic activity that go on in America, 20% is to do with healthcare. So can you monetize people's healthcare? Because if you can, you could make an absolute fortune. And if you're gonna monetize it, it's gotta be really secure. So the information's gotta be held using some sort of cryptographic technology, which is what James was talking about. Does that help, Badger?
0: thank you so much i think that's a wealth of information and would really be involved like know the know what you're doing be you know be educated watch our animated podcasts and learn some things um i think that Knowledge is power, and that has never changed since the beginning of time. Right? Absolutely. The, the better you know, know what you're talking about. Get involved. Join a chat room about it, and and be cautious when you know, like you said, these it's a volatile market. But you, if you diversify the way you're investing you know, and are educated about what you're doing, then you, you know, like we've always said, you know, put a dollar in and, you know, and then watch that dollar grow.
2: Can I I come back in there? Because um, as you know, every week we write this um, newsletter called Digital Bytes, which people can find um, on cyber.fm, or you can go to teamblockchain.net and you can get it sent to you every week. But we wrote an article this week about arguably, certainly America's probably best investor, Um, a chap called Warren Buffett, who many of your listeners will will be very, very familiar Mm -hmm. with. And and it's quite interesting because he's really anti-cryptocurrencies. Having said, you know, Bitcoin is probably rat poison squared, he called it. Yet he... Yet he actually owns 2% of Brazil's biggest bank called NU, NU. And NU is about to launch um, a crypto called the NU coin. And they've got something like 37 million people. And, and NU, this very, very successful Brazilian bank, they reckon that it's quicker and faster and cheaper and more secure to move money around using NU coin. But going back to Warren Buffett, he is a big shareholder and owns over 20% in another iconic brand in America called American Express. I'm sure um, I'm sure badger you've got a platinum American Express and you get ushered into the VIP access whenever you come out of your burrow but oh uh, he,
0: uh, he, no.
2: <laughs> but he has not okay. But he hasn't bought any shares in American Express since 1999. And in 1999 he owned around about 10% of American Express. So I ask you, how has he managed to double his holding in American Express without buying any more? Well, what's happened, and again, you just listen to some of the financial press and you'll hear that you know big companies, they've gone out and borrowed money because they can buy it cheap off the bank and they've bought back their shares. So they've gone into the into the market and bought shares in American Express and then cancelled them. And if you didn't sell your shares back to American Express, but maybe your neighbor did, what's happened is that your shareholding has gone up a little bit and gone up a little bit. So that's a really good example of holding on to something for the long term. And Warren Buffett, who was a 10% shareholder, say, 20 years ago, now owns 20% of American Express simply because American Express have been buying shares back on an ongoing basis. So that's a little lesson in finance of how buybacks can impact on your portfolio. Diamond hands, they call it. Diamond hands, absolutely. You do not let
1: go. That's actually interesting. You taught me. I didn't I never thought about that, right? So any stock that you buy that does routine buybacks, <laughs>
2: burning the supply is what we call it today, right? Uh, absolutely. But the other one, the other one, um, James, that we were looking at this week, we were looking at Starbucks. We were all Didn't they start in Seattle, Badger? Yes, Starbucks is from Seattle. OK, so Starbucks, yep, yep. they have 30 million, million members in their loyalty program. And incredibly, these members, they count for 56% of the turnover of Starbucks. And there's a little adage that if you're running a business, stop being a hunter. Stop running around looking for new clients. Be a farmer look after your existing clients, treat them with care, respect them, because those clients, they've already bought once, there's a much higher propensity that they'll buy from you again. Get their name right on the coffee. Absolutely. So what Starbucks have done is to bring a good old-fashioned loyalty card where they had a bit of paper and they stamped it. They've bought it kicking and screaming into the 21st century by launching Odyssey, and Odyssey is their digital Web3 loyalty scheme. So if you want to learn about blockchain, if you want to learn about digital assets, just look at some of the companies. Yeah, you know, Starbucks is a good example. Nike is another one. Adidas is another one. Um, Burberry, the fashion company. All these companies, look at the NBA. Look, the NBA, we're, we're recording this on the 8th of February. Um, so probably less than 12 hours ago. Um, What's the basketball player, James? Oh, Not O'Burn, who who just got more points than ever? Uh, I'm a football guy. Oh, for goodness sake. Come on. (laughs) Seriously? He's got got the world record, over 38,000 points. Well, the National Basketball Association, they've been creating these things called non-fungible tokens. Now, when you and I were at school, James, we had cards that we'd swap in the playground. Baseball cards. LeBron James broke the record Look at that
1: Listen, that's an hour ago Wait, I want to take a moment here You're not allowed to try to trick me At 8 o'clock in the morning On news that (laughs) broke an hour ago (laughs) The badges badges
2: up Getting the worms I thought you'd be there in your wheelchair Rolling around You'd pick up on this No problem
1: So because you live in the future Compared to us, right? You live in the future You know what happens first (laughs) LeBron James breaks the NBA score LeBron James, that's the man Wow was an hour yeah. ago god yeah well, sorry better... for not being up on the up and up <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. i just
1: i you know um that's so cool
0: like but i that's deal why with i love people this in the future all the time <laughs> i deal <laughs> with people in the future all the time literally everybody that i do podcasts
1: with is
0: Several hours, if not a whole day ahead
1: of me. <laughs> so, that's why Johnny's rich, he knows what the price of Bitcoin is before everybody else. Absolutely. I'm saying you're buying. Yeah, you you're dumping on us. Oh, we broke your whole thing. Keep going.
2: But but oh. uh but um badger, just going back to um blockchain, um, really interesting. There's a, a company called Blockworks, and if you go onto Blockworks, it shows you the The number of developers, um, and I reckon that at the moment, the number of active developers um, has come off a bit of a bit of a high. It was um, nudging 27,000, but it's around about 25,000 individuals are developers, um, you know, building, building programs at the moment. As I say, you've got around fifty sorry, 5,000 developers on Ethereum. And that's why you're seeing more people or more apps coming out on the Ethereum blockchain. I suspect, I've got no evidence of this yet, because I'm in the future, but not in the future quite enough. But I suspect that in um, certainly a couple of years' time, Ethereum's dominance will actually wax and wane. It will actually probably be much, much less than it is now, because as we start seeing, um, there's a really cool blockchain called Minima. Now, Minima, we were talking to, James and I, the other day, and and Hugo Fila, who's the CEO of Minima, and that blockchain has more nodes than any other blockchain in the world. About 180,000 block nodes it's got. Because it runs on people's laptops, on their, on their phones, in their cars. And it's the basis of the Internet of Things for cars to be able to talk to each other, to say, be careful, coming around that corner is a cyclist, or there's a pothole in the road, or whatever oh. it may be telling you. So you're seeing new blockchains coming along. You know, Minima have just done a deal um, with WeTransfer. So they're working with another big brand, 80 million customers, we transfer have got. So you're going to see new blockchains like Minima coming through and stealing some of the thunder of Ethereum. So if you want to be a developer, sure, Ethereum's important, but I think you're going to find there'll be other blockchains coming through which are challenging because they may be faster or cheaper, or they're doing things that perhaps Ethereum wasn't designed to do, but they've been created to be a, if you like an Ethereum killer. Oh. That's amazing. But Badger, um, we've, so- we've, we've got some. We've got some. I, I think this is quite worrying news, which which I want to share. And and I know James knows that I I like my legal legal friends that come on to the Digital Bike Show with um, Cyber FM every week. But um, in in this country, as you know, we we in the UK. Look, we're not good at a lot of things. We're, we're good at inventing them, like cricket and football and rugby. And then we end up losing them so we're not good necessarily at the execution but one thing we are very very good at is the law and it's highly respected throughout the world and many international cases are often tried here in the uk and i i I would you know being serious i really strongly would recommend that if you have anything to do with cryptocurrencies um if you have anything to do with software development so you might be online gaming you might be online gambling um, you may be looking to build a career in artificial intelligence. You need to look at this case called tulip trading because potentially, yeah. potentially this is going to have a massive impact if you're a software developer.
0: So, um, yeah, let's expand on that. That was in the digital bites. And um, let's talk a little about that. So uh, James Ramsden, the King's Council, um
2: He's like a very clever attorney. So King's Counsel is like a top top attorney. And he yes. was representing one party. Uh James. Well, James, who is he representing? You you know you know the characters better than me.
1: So he's representing Jack Dorsey, correct? Yep. Um, I'm not quite sure I understood the Craig Wright
2: involvement. I don't Are they You're on the both, same team or on the opposite both, team? Craig Craig Wright. Um has gone and said, look, I've had in today's terms, today's money, $3 billion worth of Bitcoin hacked, stolen. And he's managed to track wow. down a bunch of Bitcoin developers and say, look, you guys, you wrote the code. It's got hacked because you, you, your code wasn't great. So therefore, I'm holding you liable. I want $3 billion, please. Or I want my Bitcoin back. And um, from what I understand, Jack Dorsey's jumped in to say to the developers, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. These developers—they're not rich guys and girls—and um, actually, just because you're a developer, why should you be responsible for the way your code has being used in, in not totally dissimilar environment? You know, if I'm drawing, driving a Ford Mustang and I, you know, go into a you know a bus queue of people and kill people, then whose fault is that? Is it my fault or is it Ford because they've made a vehicle that killed people? And that's what we have going on at the moment, where someone. Um, allegedly, Mr. Wright wants his money back because he's saying the people that develop the code um, are responsible for it. And this went to court and the judge said, no, case thrown out. The defendants, either software developers, they're not liable. It then went back to a court of appeal. The The judge at that stage said, you know what? Maybe the softwares have a case to answer for. This, this court case now needs to go to retrial. So all the evidence needs to be looked at again, and basically, it, what it really means is that if you're in the UK and this court case goes against the developers, then any software that you've written, potentially you, the code developers, could be liable for acts, errors, admissions, and any other liability, you know, infinitum. So why wow. would you be based in <clears throat> England if if that's the case? But if it goes the other way and the judge says. No, you've written the code, and there's enough sort of you know health warnings around it, and you're responsible for your own actions and the way you've used the code. In the same way, you're responsible when you drive a car or use a gun. Um, you, you know, it's the, it's the user of the item, not, not the developer of the item. If it goes that way, then software developers really should relocate back to England because they're protected by the law in a way that they're not protected at the moment. Because you can have this in the U.S., you could have it in any of the Asian countries or anywhere else in the world someone could bring a court case against the developer and say look you're sitting there in nigeria and you've written some great code but someone's found a bug right we're now taking you to court and you've got no protection at the moment so wow it's a really important court case which um we wrote all about it in this week's digital bytes And, and
0: that's crazy when you think about that i mean let's break this down so people write software code all the time for different things. So what about somebody who's written software code for a dating app, and someone uses that dating app to hurt someone else? If if this is written down, I mean to the letter of the law and the law, and and I get it, that could potentially mean. The software designer could be held potentially liable for someone stalking and murdering another human being.
2: Absolutely, and, and and we talked about artificial intelligence earlier on, Badger. So you've got the moment. You've got a, a huge battle lining up between Microsoft and Google. Uh, Microsoft have been invested ten billion into um, OpenAI, who that have got ChatGPT which has taken the uh-huh. world by 500 million people have used that bit of software since it came out in November. And <laughs> Google is saying, wait, hang on, hang on. We've got ours. You need to use ours. But what happens if we find that there's a bit of bad software in there and someone asks and then acts on the artificial intelligence that's, that's created, you know, then people are going to be suing Google or Apple or sorry, Google or Microsoft, Because of their artificial intelligence answers, potentially.
0: Yeah. What if the artificial intelligence hurts somebody's feelings and then they go do something silly?
2: It's artificially stupid, not artificially intelligent.
0: Yeah. You know, because that happens all the time. It does. What if the AI becomes a bully?
2: Yeah. What about (laughs) if the AI becomes corrupt and when you say, What car do I buy? You suddenly find it's been sponsored by um Nissan or Honda or you know Volvo and saying, well, you need to go and buy this car. W- why? Uh, because I'm telling you, that's the best car in the world.
1: Can you imagine a car yeah. loan? The yeah. best
2: interest rates are as Yeah. Best way to insure your house, your car is X. So yeah. Be really, really careful. You can see. You can see how open to fraud or well, not so much fraud, but ma- manipulation. At the end of the day, what have you got? I think you've got fifty thousand people in. Washington, that are lobbying your government, 50,000 political interests, trying to change politicians' views and minds to, to vote through laws and regulations. We've already got it in society, but do we really want it when it's in a digitized form? I think that's a question as a society need to actually, A, be aware of, and then B, answer, is that what we want?
0: Well, and I think having,
2: knowing,
0: it's even going on. Period, it is yeah. so important, like having these conversations, getting it out there. Because I think there's so many people who walk through their day and, and they're absolutely oblivious to any of this even going on out in the world,
2: right? As you Badger, as you said, knowledge is power. Yeah. So to so go back to Johnny's Johnny's question about how does he get involved in blockchain? How does he get involved in digital assets? You know, open your eyes, go and, go and inquire, be, 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 be inquisitive. And when someone gives you an answer, say, okay, how, why, what, what's behind it, what does it mean, where's the proof? Be careful of fake news. You know, be careful of anything you read in the news or see in the news, because very often it's got a slant, it's got a bias. And there are very, very few experts. And when it comes to certainly blockchain, digital assets, you know, I, 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 there are very, very, very few experts. We're all learning. We're all learning every day and we're and we're challenging each other to say, well, why does why have you said that? How does that make sense? What are the implications of that? You know, AI is a great example. At one level, it sounds great. But another level, OK, it can do your homework. But supposing it gives me the wrong answer. And I take that as an answer for something much more important, like some sort of medical um, emergency. So just you know, a, a caution, be cautious, but be optimistic in terms of looking for other sources to verify what you're learning.
0: Well, and don't let it do, I think, I think the fear, and I mean, this is probably an old lady fear, but I really have concerns about AI doing things for my grandchildren that they need to do for themselves. Like, I, growing up as youngsters, we all had the Encyclopedia Britannica. In our homes. That's where we got all of our. Information. Mm -hmm. About whatever. But that was actually. um, Vetted. Actual. Factual information. About a certain subject. If it was in the encyclopedia. Right.
1: Do we know that for sure in hindsight. (laughs) Well that's an interesting question. Isn't it. We trusted that book. Enough yeah. to pay 500 bucks a book for it, right? Your parents had to take out a mortgage to get you the, when I mean, the
2: college yeah, you know. said you have to have an encyclopedia set.
1: Where did that information, <laughs> where did that info come from?
2: Well, James, what, what I think is a good example there is, look at Microsoft. They, they had it in Tharta, didn't they? Which was meant to be an online encyclopedia. They That's spent right. millions and millions on it. But what replaced it? What overtook it? Wikipedia. Google. Wikipedia. And you know a lot of people berate Wikipedia and say, "Yeah, but is it verified?" And any old people can put information. But by crowdsourcing facts and figures and information, Wikipedia is used by you know many people, millions of people every day. So I'm, I'm afraid I badger. I'm going to go with James. I think you're better off using the internet for and replace um, Encyclopaedia Britannica. But also, look what's coming down the track. It's Web three. Web three is coming down the track, and it'll make it more immersive more memorable and that's going to make it really very much more interesting and richer experience for people and and we struggle you know we're, we're all three of us are, are too old but the kids coming down it's going to be much more native and much more natural for them to be walking around with a pair of glasses and top right hand side is all the information they need about that car that house that historical figure because they'll be wearing or have some sort of implant where that information will, will just be on tap and you won't necessarily have to hey. remember things but you're wanting to be able to access things.
0: I agree. Like, I think the the availability to be able to jump on my computer and say, oh, okay, well, I'm looking at this car. I'm looking at all of these um, loans that are available to me. Who has the best interest? Who has the best rate? I'm going to go with this one, be able to pre-do my loan before I ever even walk on the car lot and just walk in there and go, that's the car I want. I've already been pre-approved for that. The availability to have so much knowledge in one place, I think is fabulous. And I I totally agree with that. Do I miss the old school days? Yeah. I I mean, I do because I'm old. But I also embrace this new digital frontier, and I'm super excited about it. It's one reason why we do these digital podcasts. So we get this information out there. And so John,
1: Johnny, Johnny touched on something real quick. I don't want to lose sight of it. So Johnny had said, you know, if the future is Web3. And, and a lot of people will say, you know, have a different opinion about what Web3 is. Web3 is self-sovereign identity. Web three is personalizing your own data and web three is monetizing your own identity. Uh, I think the best easy example. Based on this subject would be something to the effect of you want to subscribe to the New York times because you want to read their articles, right? Today we have a paywall, If I don't, well, I subscribe, I get three free months and then I got to start paying $3 a month or whatever. Uh, No different than we were kids, right? When we were kids, in fact, in New York growing up, they made us subscribe to the New York Times. And, of course, if your family didn't have, you know, expendable money, there was a little funding, you know, so that the poor kids could also get the New York Times. But we had to get the New York Times because if you're a real New Yorker, there's even a way to fold the paper correctly. Otherwise, you're an outcast. But we had to read the, the current events and what was going on, and we'd have to write an essay about it. So now imagine today, 2023. An online class saying, okay, kids, we're going to subscribe to the New York Times and uh, we're going to go over this article. Now they have a paywall. So, in the future with Web3, which goes all the way back to your question with, uh, I forgot his name already, but was it um, Johnny? Johnny. Actually, his name is Johnny. It's about what he should study. And I mentioned React, right? So, with React, you're going to find that these, the, the future New York Times website will be gated off, and you're going, to, you're going to log in with an NFT that the New York Times has created as a membership pass. And, and hopefully in the future it'll become easier. But at the end of the day, what our kids are going to be accustomed to doing is just connecting their wallet to the New York Times. It'll validate that they hold a New York times subscription and display the articles. The New York times made a little money. You have fun holding an NFT. And when I'm tired of the New York times, when my political views may have changed, I could sell that NFT to Johnny and say, I'm done with this one. Here you go. I think that's, that's where the future is going in terms of when he mentioned web three. And we were talking about news, current events and decisions and
2: subscription models and, and, the old is new again. Yeah, and 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 Badger, I think James has raised a really interesting point there, and that is at the moment many of your listeners, those that have heard of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, um, they probably think of some, you know pictures of monkeys or apes, you know, board eight yacht club, and or this chap Beebles who did one digital picture and made sixty-nine million dollars. It's all about speculation and making a quick buck, but more and more and more. Non-fungible tokens are going to be like digital certificates of information and they'll have a utility value. They won't be there for gambling. They'll be there to actually because they have some real tangible value. They give you access to a concert or a venue or, as as James says, maybe it's it's a publication or maybe it's your qualifications or your healthcare data or your information about your car or your home or whatever. So we're going to be getting used to these digital certificates of information and they're going to have to be stored somewhere. And that, and that, where are they going to be stored? Who's going to have access to them? And it's interesting to see Apple have brought out advanced data protection. And, the, and what, the way they secure it is that they give you the owner, they give and say, you come up with the key, the cryptographic key. If you lose it, well, you're stuffed. You've lost all your information. Yeah. It means people can't be coerced and strong armed by. By the feds or by Interpol or anyone else to say, can you give me Johnny's or Johnny's information? No, the only person that can get Johnny's information is Johnny. So therefore, Johnny has to make sure he's given his key to his lover, his brother, his mother, or whoever it is. Because if he forgets it, he's got to go to somewhere to get it back. So it's not all one side. You know, that's quite a quite a responsibility. Where do I give all access to all my information? Who do I give it to? I'll have control and power over it, not. In this case, Apple.
0: Correct. Like there, there's millions of dollars out there. Well, millions, billions of dollars out there in the ether. That is just out there and no and no one can get their hands on
2: it because they've forgotten their seed words. Right. Maybe we should come back. We'll do another little next time. we'll, We'll look at this a little bit more detail, perhaps. But but we really want your listeners on you know, East loves West. You know, tell us what you want to talk about, and we'll James and I and, and the Badger will do our best to go away and squirrel away and see if we can find out some examples to help you.
0: Absolutely, and we're getting more and more people um, that are talking about the animated podcast. And if you're listening and um, if you're watching right now, there's two places to watch it now, guys. We got picked up by Spotify. So we upload these animated videos to Spotify and they can watch it as a podcast. And we have our own Google or we have our own YouTube channel and um, we have our own Google podcast also. So there's lots of places for you to do that, but on the YouTube channel, when you if you can comment directly below the video and let us know what you want to know. Help us break myths. If you're hearing things out there that people are talking about about digital currency and blockchain technology, or NFTs. I hear a lot of stuff about NFTs where I'm like, I don't know if that's right or not. And then I'm the one who reaches out to you guys to get that education on there. But definitely, absolutely. And if you want to get educated, you can go read these amazing articles that um James and Johnny do. And Johnny or James. Tell them where they go to be able to read these articles and sign up for it.
1: i like to say teamblockchain.net. Perfect.
2: There you go, teamblockchain.net, and we'll send you every week. Um, it's about four or five articles every week. No advertising, no recommendations, just pure information and education, uh, looking at different case studies of who, how, where, and why blockchain technology and digital assets are being used um, in all the different countries of the world. And then we Perfect. have a day, Joe from cyber.fm, which goes to 170 countries. And what do what you got? About four four 4.6 million listeners on cyber.fm, James? We do well. We have, we're doing about 4.6
1: million uh, per month. And uh, we're trying our best for 2023. To Our goal is to double that. Wow.
0: Wow. And I thought I was doing great because I had over 4 million for the year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you are though. I mean, you're, you're, you're part of us. We, we are one. I y- right.
2: Yeah. Bridget, I've got to go. You, you've, the sun's up. The worms are all gone back underground and so you, you've got to scurry off to your other sort of occupation.
0: Yes, I do. I have to put on my super suit and go to my secret identity job. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. and. We will be back again soon with it in a few weeks with another of these amazing blockchain and cryptocurrency dip video podcasts. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.